Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Break free from the forces holding you back. Get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app today. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast, heartfelt chat with my guests and you, beautiful listeners and viewers. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, an author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. It is so great to be with all of you today. I'm excited. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Andrew Hahn, is a Harvard-educated licensed clinical psychologist and the co-author of the book that we talk about today, The One-Hour Miracle. And he is also the founder of The Life-Centered Therapy, a new framework for healing trauma that has gotten extraordinary and very efficient results for anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, autoimmune disease patterns, and bad relationships, alienations, and more and more and more. Over a thousand people have trained in this method internationally and have been getting the same results for their clients as themselves. Dr. Hahn's passion in life is to spread this work so that people can be free of suffering and free to live the life of their souls. We talk about what suffering is. We talk about what trauma is, what healing is, and his beautiful approach from psychological scientific all the way to the spiritual work and the intertwine of both and how in five steps you get to do it yourself for yourself so i really enjoyed the conversation and i know that you will too now subscribe to my podcast and my youtube channel i love to hear from you so connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com, any of the social media, share with me your thoughts. Really, I'd love to hear from you. Now, um, without further ado, this is Dr. Andy Hahn. show, Dr. Andy Hahn. It is so nice to have you with us. It's lovely to be here with you, Fujian, truly, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, I feel very grateful. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Same here. You have written the One Hour Miracle book, a five-step process to guide your self-healing. And um, I know that you've worked a lot with um, trauma, You've worked a lot with addiction and suffering. So one of the conversations to have is, I think there's a, there's a um, for me, let's say, a fantasy that there's a day that people don't suffer, and including myself, people as me don't suffer. And then I also notice that 
the suffering shows up um, or a thought process shows up, an emotional process shows up. And then there's a, you know, an option of, do I get to suffer? And even if there's a suffering at the beginning, do I have the option of continuing to suffer? <laughs> or is the way of, um, you know, alleviating the suffer and, you know, uh, be another way or do another way so uh, that we've minimized suffering. So share with us what your perspective of suffering is. I'll happily do that. I think suffering is one thing. It's anything that you can't subjectively take in stride and handle, you'll suffer. If you could handle everything, you would never suffer. You might be in pain, you'd never suffer. So I think there's only one people only one reason people come for therapy, which is something couldn't be handled and taken in stride. That's it. I don't care whether you call it chronic fatigue or autoimmune disease or depression or blocked mindsets or limiting beliefs or bad relationships or alienation or addiction. I think it's all the same thing. It's something that can't be handled and taken in stride. That's why I think people come for healing. I think only what healing is, is mastering what couldn't be taken in stride. That's it. And I think it's really simple to say how to do it. When something can't be handled, in that moment, a discomfort is born. Which means, from my point of view, every sensation you have that's uncomfortable is a narrative of something that couldn't be handled. It's a story. And every time there's something that can't be handled, in that moment, a discomfort is born. And so what I'd say is, if you came and said, I'm having a panic attack, or you're in my office, right? And a motorcycle backfired and you suddenly had a panic attack. I would then say to you, when you're having a panic attack, Fujian, what's happening in the body? And you'd say, my heart's pounding fast. And I'd say, Fujian, I know this is going to sound funny. You're not having a panic attack. Your little toe is feeling just fine. Someone whose name is heart pounding fast is having a panic attack. It's not a part of you. It's its own independent living being. It was born in a moment. It has matter, just like you do. And you identified it as heart pounding fast, that's its name. Your name is Fujian. And you are to life what heart pounding fast is to you. So it's not a part of you, it's its own living being. And it's come to share something. And if you choose to bring all your awareness there to fully experience it like an actress who says, I'm now going to fully choose to become heart pounding fast in the same way that an actress would play a role in a play or a movie, or if you were auditory, it'd be like being a character in the novel, suddenly you would no longer unconsciously identify with heart pounding fast. You would identify with the one who is experiencing heart pounding fast and saying, I'm here with you. I bear witness to you. I fully accept you. You can share anything you like, and I'm not you. And then no matter what happens next. So if you're kinesthetic, you might say, oh my God, bombs are going off. And I'm like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be killed. But you would no longer unconsciously be reliving that memory. Even if you're kinesthetic, you would be choosing to experience it while not identifying with it. And if that was, and of course, if you're, if you're visual, you'll see pictures. If you're auditory, you'll just say, I know what's happening. Bombs are going off in, right? But you would no longer unconsciously identify with it. And if that was the only reason you had panic attacks, what would happen is what was dismembered, in this case, heart pounding fast as a living being, would be remembered, taken back in, and it would go back into its pure form, which is energy. 
And the next time a motorcycle backfired, all things being equal, you would say, I remember what happened 20 years ago in Afghanistan, but it's not who I am unconsciously. And I think that's all. That is the most powerful, effective, efficient way I know to do healing work. And I have studied pretty much everything, sort of like you. And I know pretty much everything that's out there. And I have I know nothing that's more effective and efficient than that. And like people are suffering and they're spending hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars and they tend to talk about things or even if they're doing somatic kinds of therapies they don't realize that these sensations are living beings so you might say to somebody even if you're somatically oriented you might say if heart pounding fast could talk what would it say and that'd be like if uh, you were in the room and someone else is in the room and i said sylvia if fujan could talk what would she say and fujan would say why are you talking to her i'm right here so I wouldn't ever be talking to Fujian. I'd be talking with heart pounding fast. And I'd say, you tell us your story. And I'm not particularly interested in what Fujian thinks about heart pounding's fast story because it isn't Fujian's story. It's heart pounding fast story. So you're gonna be someone who chooses to become something and then you're gonna share what it's come to share like you're a reporter. And I guarantee you, if you do that, in my experience, if all you did, if you never studied therapy and all you did was every time you were suffering, you found the body sensation, you chose to, in a sense, fully experience it and become it, and you let it share while you said, I'll bear witness to you, you will get a better result than you would by talking about, with, even with the best therapist, because the technology is so much better, in my experience. And I have, I was trained very traditionally, and I can speak at least from that side of it, because, you know, I've been doing this now for almost 40 years. So that's what I would say things that I'm hearing and let me share with you what I'm hearing and so um <clears throat> open it up also for our audience um there's a one I'm sensing that there's a separateness that you do create at that moment which is although it's right here but each part has its own uh, thought process emotional process maybe even a visual process if it was a trauma from the past or if it was something that you know, it reminded them, or even if it's not a trauma from the past, at that moment, there is a story that's defined by a part of me. And for some, when I disconnect from that part and separate, not disconnect, but separate that part from myself where I can see that I'm not that. So if my, if my hand is throbbing, if my heart is throbbing, I am not my hand, I am not the heart, but there's importance about whatever is happening. So I separate myself, I look at it and I relate to it. I want, I'm in, you know, interested in it. I want to hear it. I want to have the story that shows up, the narrative that shows up from that part of me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, the mindfulness also brings us up. There are different techniques that brings us up where you could, you're not it, but you are watching it. You are relating to it from a separateness to that part. And as I'm hearing you say is when you separate yourself and then love it, love that part of yourself where you're caring, your voice, you're the way you're talking to that part of you is that I'm interested, I'm inquiring, I want to hear it, I'm, in, I'm loving you and I'm taking care of you. That also gives this other part, of the, the, the you that is taking care of also a sense of power, sense of um um, imp 
power and empowerment versus powerless as if like my heart is pounding and I'm and, and, and I'm powerless but that I'm watching that part and hearing it and then I feel empowered I feel the power and knowing that I'm the other piece that I was hearing is knowing that I'm bigger than these smaller pieces and knowing that by itself becomes healing becomes like I'm, you know, there's something I'm doing about it. Like you said at the beginning, if it feels at the beginning that suffering looks like something I can't handle, the way I look at things, talk to it and promise to take care of that part and all that is, it also gives me the power to handle because I am handling in a sense. So as I'm hearing, that's how the healing happens around suffering. Did I, am I getting it right accurately? Uh, a lot. I would say a couple of things. The first is I wouldn't say that it's my hand. I would say its name is throbbing hand, not my throbbing hand. You completely dissociate from it and it, it, you, don't, you don't have this concept of mine toward it. Right. I would say, because in my experience, it isn't yours. It's its own living being, just like you're not my Fujian. It's not my hand. Its name is Throbbing Hand. Your name is Fujian. That's the first thing I'd say. So the second thing I'd say is it's not a part of you, unless you want to identify with soul. I would say you and it are part of something larger. Than, so everything would be about, in a sense, non-attachment, even from the identity of Fujian. So I'm not interested in... It's not a part, if I want to do parts work, I can do that. But even if I'm doing parts work, I would say, although parts work in my frame of reference gets called for some, but not all that much. If I mean, if you know voice dialogue or IFS or these kinds of things, if your audience does, um, we're not looking for a part of you even there. If Even if you're finding something archetypal, like a protector or a exile or something, I would say it's not it is its own living being who's come to share something and you're going to drop into it and choose to say, okay, I'm here with you, but I'm not you. And you're not even a part of me. You've come to say something independent. And, and it's like, I, my job is to get to know you. So in that way, I would say nothing is about a part of me unless you identify me as soul and not as Fujian. And I would say even, I would say even for, Fujian, if you said I am Fujian, I would say that's a trauma structure, because as soon as we identify with anything, it's a limitation. I would say on a whole other level, you could say you're Fujianing. I'm experiencing Fujian, but I'm not Fujian. In the same way that I suppose you could say when Jesus, right before he is crucified, is screaming at his father, he's suffering and he says, I am Jesus and you're my father and why hast thou forsaken me? But at the end, when he's Christ, he's saying, I commend my soul unto you. I'm no longer identified with Jesus. So as an exemplar of the human experience, I can show you what it's like to say I couldn't handle something. I couldn't take something in stride. But when I, when I fully become Christ, I'm not identified with Jesus at all. So you could kill that body, but you're not killing me. I'm unkillable because I don't exist as an identity. So I would say that's the work for everything. And to be able to say yes to everything is to say, no matter what happens, if I can just say yes and I can be fully engaged and keep my heart and mind open, I won't suffer. I won't be traumatized. So trauma, from my point of view, is entirely subjective. And it is simply 
your subjective definition of what can't be handled. And the second that happens, every symptom you have will be a clue to the thing that couldn't be handled, waiting for your attention. It's like life will bring you back echoes over and over and over again. Why? So you can master it. Of course, we don't like it because you'll have a panic attack when a motorcycle backfires, right? But I'd say that's an invitation to remembering something. If you could say, okay, what is life trying to share with me right now? So that's basically, I would say, yeah, everything you say, I agree with. I would just, I suppose, expand it a little bit. Uh, what brings for me, it's uh, looking at some, it's completely depersonalizing that there's no I here in anywhere. And I'm a consciousness, I'm a conscious mm -hmm. concept, which yeah. watches everything as I'm, as I keep listening to a lot of the uh, mindfulness and conscious um you know, uh, books, audiobooks, and the worlds and philosophy is, and um, Buddhism, and you know, a lot of the conversation of that. I there is no I, and the, uh, the suffering. It seems like the suffering shows up with the I. So if I'm, if there is no I here that is attaching any of it to me, mm -hmm. um, then somehow I can be. I can be it when I choose it. I can observe it. I can watch it. I can do things with it. I can be with it. And I keep saying there's no I, and I and the only way I can reference it is the I. Right. <laughs> right. is, is what I'm hearing from you is that um, that you become that consciousness. Uh, when you called about the soul, or where they call about you know the Christ consciousness, almost like you become the consciousness that you're mm -hmm. not attached. And the suffering you're seeing is you're saying comes a little bit with the concept of the story that's somehow attached to the eye. Right. And I would say the only stories you attached to the eye are things that can't be taken in stride. So if you could take everything in stride, all you would be is not even consciousness. You just be, you could say the one who says, I'm here bearing witness but there wouldn't be an eye to it. It would just be the witness bearer or something. It would be, it would be, uh, yeah, it would be a witness bearer who says, I fully accept you. You would, in a sense, become the fully self-accepting, life-accepting beingness that you are. And then you won't suffer. Mm. And then you might feel pain, but you'd never suffer, right? Because you would have no judgment about the pain. You'd have no anxiety about the pain. You'd have no comparison you'd have no compulsion to need to understand it you would just say it's something being experienced and then you're free and then you can live whatever life life is inviting you into so that's yeah that's what i would say the one hour miracle a five the five step process to guide your self-healing change the story reauthor your life by dr andrew Hahn. yeah um I'm still hearing a little bit more of the spiritual world in it. Mm -hmm. Share with me how personally, I mean, obviously, you know, you're uh, a dedicated psychologist. You've gone through, as you said, learned everything. You've done a lot of research, you know, you've uh, Harvard and different places. So I know that your one foot is always in the scientific world. I got it. There's also this other piece that shows up, which is, has the uh, the other element that we learn from you know um the the world that the science hasn't necessarily picked up all the elements of the quantitative aspect of it or qualitative aspect of it um 
how do you come? What's your story that got you out of everything that you've learned to come to this realm of experience and how to be with trauma and healing? Okay, I'll I'll try to tell you. There's a lot of stories to that, but I'll try to tell you three. There's the other ones coming to me. Um, when I was a little boy, when I was like 11, my parents threw a dinner party for a very famous talk show host. And he had had somebody, I didn't know this, I heard them all laughing in this dinner party. So I was a precocious pain in the butt little kid. So I walked into the dinner party and became clear that they were talking about someone who believed in ESP and they were all kind of like laughing at that. So when I realized that, I said to them, well, if you could see and everybody else was blind, how would you prove to them you could see? You know what they said? They said nothing. So I knew they didn't have an answer. So it's like, I would say, um, from a very early age, even before then, because, um, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you four stories very fast because I'll be fast with them. When I was younger than that, when I was in third grade, when I was not, now I must have been in fourth grade. And when I was 10, I woke up from a dream and I went to my desk and I wrote down a poem. And I'll tell you the poem because it's the foundation of everything I do. Poem's called Memories. It goes like this You remember things forgotten, you dream of tales untold. Your memory reminds you of your childhood days of old. Now you have your children, and they have children too. But all you have is memories of things you would have liked to do. Words that were never spoken come back to you like then. All the things you would have done if you do it over again. So when I wrote that poem, which was totally a channeled poem, you could say, a nine-year-old kid doesn't write that poem. But, you know, I thought it was just about my personality and about regret. But, you know, about 15 years ago, one of my colleagues said, that's your whole work. Mm -hmm. You remember things that were forgotten. And when you can do that, you can open to whole new possibilities. You can dream of tales untold. And then you know where you're going to look, which is where you were stuck, right? And there are new possibilities there. And words that were never spoken come back to you. And if you could do it differently all the things you could have, would have done if you could do it over again, you can. There isn't a place you're stuck. It's just a place of not being able to handle something. So then so then I had that thing I had when I was 11. When I was in my late 20s, after you know I went to Harvard and I went and got a doctorate and I was the training director in a clinic and I was a professor and I was going along thinking we have good tools, but there's something better than this. And I had a dream. I will tell you the dream very briefly, which is I was at a school, I was teaching at a, at a school for gifted kids and I was racing around a diamond, trying to take care of all of their needs. And like, I would race all round, 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 and I finally collapsed. I was so exhausted from taking care of everybody's needs, which says something about my life. And I wake up in the dream in my bedroom, in my bed, and I hear this sound outside. And it was, I walk out into the hall and there's a two-story lion that is coming up the stairs and blocking the stairway and it is roaring and growling and, and ripping at the air like this. And I said, I'm in big trouble. And I said, oh my God, how am I gonna get away from this? Cause I couldn't get around. I couldn't cower and back off. And if I went and raced out through the window I figured I would have a really bad death. And then as I'm standing there, a voice, booming voice comes from the bedroom and says, if you match the emotions of the lion everything will be okay. So I start faking it and it's roaring and growling 
and I start doing the same thing and I'm faking it, right? And then in one moment, I know I've actually experienced what it's like to be that lion. That I've fully become for one second that lion. And the second that happens, the whole scene shifts. And I'm in my backyard with this two-story lion on its haunches, like basking in the sun and like a golden retriever puppy dog. And I say, this is so cool. I have a lion in my backyard. And like from that, it was like, I had to learn a lot of things. I had to learn, like, I couldn't race around taking care of all these people's needs. And I wanted to do some things at that point that I was really scared of, which was basically going on my own. And, um, and I learned what was really fundamental, which is if you could face the thing you're most afraid of and choose to fully experience it, you'd be free. And I had that experience. And I then started having a lot of unusual experiences. And they ended with a very interesting one, which is I was visiting a friend who had left a very, very like powerful life in the world and had gone off to know where you are to the Self-Realization Fellowship in Encinitas, California. So she went to SRF and uh, I went and visited her. I knew I had to visit her. I didn't know why. And she wanted to take me to a heart chanting service. But the day before we went there, I went there, she fell and hurt herself badly. So when I got there, her ankle was really swollen and it was discolored and she was in really severe pain, but she didn't care. She wanted me to take me to the fellowship anyway. So we're doing this heart chanting service for about an hour and a half doing this amazing vibrational thing. And then she's walking me around the fellowship and we get to these two benches and she says, you're gonna have to carry me out of here. I can't walk another step. She said, the pain is just too bad. So I helped her sit on one of the benches and I sat on the other end. And the second I sat down, I had a, an experience that I'd never had before. And I've had some strange experiences. I was suddenly flooded with light. I knew there was light over my head. I knew it wasn't the sun because the sun was off to the left and this thing was much more over my head. And I could sort of experience this light coming through me. And um, I said to her, you know, I elevated her ankle and I said, just, I'm not going to even do anything except I'm just going to channel something through my hands. At which point she says, you know, I can read auras, don't you? And this is 1991. And I said, no, Roshan, I'm a nice Jewish boy from Boston. What do I know from auras? And she says, are you aware that there is pure light that's coming through the crown of your head into the center of your chest and out your hands to my ankle? Now, I couldn't see it. I said, I can't see it the way you're talking about, because I saw the light, but I didn't see it coming into me. I could just sense it. But I said, I can't see it, but I know what you're saying is true. And then we looked down about 10 seconds later, and there's no swelling, and there's no discoloration, and she gets up and walks out with no pain. And I said, aha, uh -huh, we are not in Kansas anymore. But what I came to realize, having then I went and studied everything I could for two years to try to know what happened to me. And I went and studied just about anything you can imagine. I went there. But what I realized was very simple, which is that if you could meet a dense vibration and meet it with exactly something that resonated with it, like, you know, like a noise cancel, why can't we get on a jet plane when there's so, I mean, if we got on the jet plane with these engines, we would our ears would burst right but if you hit it with the right vibration called the noise canceling vibration it would just change the vibration and that sound would be like dispersed so if you could meet the resonance of something and then raise the resonance of something that's all healing was and that's what i believe healing actually is is to say i can fully choose to be you in a way that resonates and then i can raise it to something else 
And I think everything else other than that is basically window dressing. And um, so all you have to then do is find what that dense vibration is. And one, I do three things with people. I find out what their real problem is. And I'll tell you what I mean in a second. I find out where it originated because everything after that is going to be an echo, just like with the man in the panic attack. He's not having a panic attack because a motorcycle backfired. It had to have started someplace else. So everything else is going to be an echo. And you have to find out if that being needs anything other than just sharing its story while you say, I'm choosing to be with you and I bear witness to you and I accept you and I hold you and you can say anything, share anything you want and I'm not you. And if it needs something else like, EFT, if you know emotional freedom technique or EMDR or a spiritual practice or anything, you find out what one is the exact best key that will unlock that trauma if just sharing it while you hold it in that heightened vibration isn't enough, right? And that's really important. When I say it's a five-step process, the first step is to find out what the real problem is, right? So let's suppose you come in with this panic attack. I can find out very quickly, I use a process called muscle testing or kinesiology, which I can explain to your audience if they don't know it. But it's just a way of accessing, I think it's a way of accessing soul through asking your body to be a means of communication. And then, and then when, you, when you're in alignment with the truth, your body gets stronger. So if, if you had a toddler and you're a 120 pound woman and a car rolls over that toddler, you pick up a 2000 pound car and say to someone like that, you say, how could you do it? They don't say I figured it out. They don't say I had an emotion about it. They said, I just knew I could do it. And that I just know is a very powerful. So we ask to access that, and then you can ask anything you want. So the first thing I'm going to find out is, is that thing that you call the panic attack, is that really the problem we're going to work on, or is it a symptom of a deeper problem? I'll tell you what I mean. Suppose you come in with that panic attack, and I find out that's not it, but it's a symptom of something else. And let's suppose I could find out it's betrayal, okay? And let's suppose I could find out that betrayal doesn't even start in your lifetime, however you want to understand that. It starts in what you might call a past life or the imaginal or an undreamed dream or a personal mythology or it's like play therapy and i find out that your story doesn't mean it's nothing that even happened to fujian and so i say you're going to focus not on on the panic attack but you're going to focus on i betrayed a trust and when i have you focus on i betrayed a trust let's suppose instead of just having the pan the heart pounding your neck starts to really tighten up and your right foot has excruciating pain let's suppose. So I'm going to say, well, there's someone here and they've come to share something about betraying a trust. And their name is throat closing up and um, pain in right foot. Okay. So I have you focused there and suddenly you say, this is really weird. I'm not a soldier anymore. I'm like the leader of a bunch of soldiers and it feels like it's World War I. And I'm walking, I'm leading these soldiers and suddenly like I get distracted and I walk them into an ambush and bombs are going off and I've walked them. It's like they've set a booby trap for us and I walk them right into it. And bombs are going off and bombs are coming out of the sky and I'm watching them and I'm trying to scream, but I can't scream. And I'm watching these men die and get wounded and I'm feeling so guilty that I take out my pistol and I shoot myself in the foot because I want them to think that the shrapnel hit me, right? And um, so let's suppose that happens. Now I'm going to tell you what you're going to come in with. You're going to come in with your panic attack. You're also going to come in with OCD, and you're going to say, oh, this is really weird, Fujian. Like, I know if I make a mistake, the sky's going to fall. And you'll literally, of course, be telling me a story. You won't be talking metaphorically. And you'll say, I have ADHD, and I get distracted. And when I do, I feel really guilty. And people said, why do you get guilty when you have ADHD? But of course, we'll know why, because you got distracted, and we'll let them into this 
this terrible ambush. And then I say, I, I dropped something on my foot, a, a rock on my foot, a stone seven years ago. And all these doctors are saying, I shouldn't have pain anymore, but I'm still have pain and I'm limping. It's because they never thought it was because of a story that happened in 1916 when you shot yourself in the foot. And every time you want to be a leader, right? You say, you know what, this is so weird. I get in this place where anybody else and I should be able to be a leader, but every time I do it, I shoot myself in the foot. And of course, you'd be literally telling a story. And if that was the only reason you had those symptoms, that's what we look call like what things look miraculous because if it was the only reason, theoretically in 20 minutes, in 20 minutes, your panic attacks would go away, your OCD would go away, your ADHD would go away, your chronic foot pain that nobody understands would go away, and you'd say, you know what, I don't shoot myself in the foot anymore and I'm gonna be a leader. And those stories are rare, but, and I have other stories where I had one person who tried to get a blood draw and it took over a year of sessions to do that because it led into a horrific story of a blocked memory of, of horrific sexual abuse because what's a blood draw? I mean, someone sticks something into you that is against your will and he's an older man in this case and, you know, blood comes out. Well, why would she have such panic about that? And you find out why and... So that that had so many layers to it, it was unbelievable just to get her close to getting the blood draw. So I never know. I say to people, one of two things will happen if you stick with it long enough. Either your symptoms will go away or any judgment or anxiety or whatever you have about your symptoms will go away, at which point you won't care. And um, and people say, well, what happens if I don't believe in past lives? I say, oh, well, there's a part of me that doesn't believe in it either. But like, you won't care if, you're, if your chronic pain goes away and you've been to all these specialists and it never occurred to them that it was a story in 1917. And I'll tell you what's really interesting about that story, of course, which is that person might have had PTSD from that war. But interestingly, when you take care of the person in 1917, their PTSD from Afghanistan goes away because you find out their learning was they wanted to know what it was like to be on the other side. So they unconsciously put themselves into a position, of course, and then they would say, well, it was like, I didn't have any control over that, but it's amazing what we will co-create with life in order to try to master something or to be empathic. And so they might've worked on their PTSD from that war for years, and we wouldn't work on it directly, but work on something that happened a hundred years ago, so to speak, and their PTSD in that war would just go away. And I've seen that happen on lots of occasions, actually, that people were sure they knew what it was, but it wasn't that at all. So that's my story. The one hour miracle, everyone. A five-step process to guide your self-healing. Change the story, reauthor your life by Dr. Andrew Hahn. Um, anything we haven't shared that you really want to share? Because you, you know, as you were talking about it also, I was listening to you and thinking part of what I hear from you is that these are best energies that like you're saying that it shows up in in people's world whether they stick through it this term memory or they're kind of you know like what you said through the soul comes back to this term memory but somehow these are vibrational um, dense stuckness that when you meet that vibrational dense stuckness with the same type of vibration and then first meet it with the same type of vibration and then you extend it and um, elevate it to the next level uh, mm -hmm. that you know 
but it just like, kind of dismantles it. Like it goes poof in, in, in that realm. So it's more of um, naming it, knowing where it is, the, disconnecting with it, matching it, uh, not being in it, but coming out and then matching it and then elevating it, which comes to the healing. Is there anything yeah. we haven't shared that you really want people to know? Well, there are a lot of things. I mean, we basically barely, barely touched the surface. I mean, what I'd like them to know is that people remember two things. They remember trauma, and they remember the way they try to make sure that they never experience it again. And some of those things are really remarkable. So if you want to talk about addictions, for example, often that's a protect a way of protecting yourself from feeling or major I've seen major depressions which were stories of something so terrible happened that the person would say without being aware of it I don't care and then they'd reenact I don't care and what's I don't care is saying I'm not going to feel it's too painful and then they have major depressions but then you find out the major depression isn't the problem it's someone you called in to protect yourself at which point you could be grateful to your major depression which isn't yours anyway and say thank you for coming for saving my life so there's that stuff. But the thing I really want to say, Pujan, is anyone can do this. You know, like, and if I, I have people who just do this, they, they've heard this much and they start doing it on their own and they get amazing things because they'll just say, I'll find a body sensation and choose to let it share. So I say to you, if you have a headache or as you said, like I'm feeling like dizzy, why would I be dizzy? You might want to say dizziness. What have you come to share about when I'm when I'm swallowing or when I'm eating, you want to tell me something dizziness or headache before you take a pill. So that's the first thing I'd say. And um, but the other thing I'd say, of course, is I've been doing this for I've been doing the work I'm telling you about now for over thirty years, and we've trained over a thousand people, and I'm still learning things every day. So it's like, um, but I also know that um, people really. They don't have to suffer as much. And if they just did some, one simple thing we're talking about here today, you can do amazing self-healing, right? And then, and just listen to yourself and listen literally and know you can't step outside. So if you're in something and you say, I don't feel anything in my body. If I said to you, Fujian, when you're feeling anxious, what do you feel in your body? You say, I'm not feeling anything then I would say, people say that to me all the time. They say, what do you do if they can't get in their body? So what are you talking about? They say, well, I asked them what they were feeling. They say, I'm not feeling anything. So I would say, well, do you ever ask them where they're feeling I'm not feeling anything? I haven't had one person who couldn't answer that question. So, and you can't step outside the process. So if you say, you drop in and you say, I can't do this. It's not Fujian who's saying it. It's sick to stomach who's saying it. So you just say, yeah, you can't do this. And, and you just go with it. So selfishly, I want everybody in the world to learn this. And you know, if they learn this and they learned a whole other thing, which is like how, how to understand people from the inside out and how to know that our personality is just a protection that protects us from a fear. And the fear really is the doorway to the divine. So you know, the things we're most afraid to admit about ourselves that we hate the most, which I could tell you what they are for me, but I won't right now. But like, what do they say to you? They say, you think you can get away from me? I'm bigger than you are. I've always been here. You can try to avoid me all you like. You can curse me. You can do whatever you like, but I promise you, I will never leave you. What does God say to us? Same thing. He says, I'm here with you. I've been here from the beginning. I'm here now. 
You can hate me, you can curse me, you can do whatever. I promise you, everyone else may leave you, but I'll never leave you. So I would say it's all ironic, which is that if we could face our worst fear, we find the divine. And that's what I really want. Thank you. Where can people find you? lifecenteredtherapy.com l-i-f-e centered with the ed at the end therapy.com and they can find that they can find our book there they can find the book on amazon they can find all about our trainings there and we really give very elegant trainings because we give an incredible amount of mentoring and of course you can do this anywhere in the world because i can teach people how they can do what i call kinesiology or muscle testing remotely so and uh, that's where they find us beautiful thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today Thank you so much for having me. You gave me a great gift, so I really appreciate you. And of course, anything I can do to support you, Fujana, I'm happy to do. Thank you so much. Everyone, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.